Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. everybody, I'm John Hindorf and it's another Real World Road Test on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and video channels. Uh, we're in the USA, we have a Porsche. It's not any Porsche and it's not in some ways a conventional Porsche because this show is going to be all about the 2023 Taycan Turbo S Cross Turismo. That's a Porsche without an internal combustion engine. Real World Road Tests on RadioLeMond.com. Well, if you're a regular listener to Real World Road Tests, you'll know that we tested the saloon version or the hatchback version of this when we were in Australia for the Bathurst 12 hours early in 2023. I, as you probably well know, I'm a bit of... Uh, I have a bit of a thing for three-box saloons and for what my father would have called a shooting brake, a state car, a wagon, call it what you will. So having the opportunity to live with a Taycan Cross Turismo Turbo S for almost a couple of weeks was always going to be up my street. This car is presented in... Oh, sound like an ad there, don't I? This car is presented in the fetching shade of Neptune Blue. And again, you'll know I like blue Porsches. Uh, This one is sort of a mid-blue colour, almost like uh, sort of French gendarme blue. Uh, It's accented by gloss black around the wheel arches uh, and other parts of the car, including the roof rail and the rear window spoiler. Let's talk about the styling generally of the Taycan. Uh, it, a number of people have said to me they think it's the best-looking car that Porsche built. Um, it has the Porsche look at the front end with the wings, the fenders that sit above the bonnet. Of course, there's nothing under that bonnet other than some storage space here, which would get a carry-on bag in there. Uh, lots of aero around the front of this car and the specification has added some carbon fibre as the sport uh, styling pack on this car. Uh, down the side, as it's the Cross Turismo, we mentioned it's the uh, it has got the opportunity to lift the chassis up by almost six inches. It's got the uh, big brakes on there, friction brakes on there. A very lovely set of 20, I think there's a 22s actually uh, on this one and it uh, probably doesn't help the aerodynamics of this car but what it does they, they kind of look like this, they could be on um, a, a, an attachment for your chopper, yeah these are 22s looks like it would give you nice discs of potato or something like that, I like them, they're in an anthracite grey there's wheel arch extensions uh, and sill extensions as well. As I say, it's a bit of a, a sort of a, uh, an Audi Allroad type thing uh, in, in terms of the styling. At the back, uh, there's a diffuser underneath quite a big uh, tailgate 
talk about the uh, luggage space in a moment. It's the three-quarter view from the back, to me, I understand why people say it's such a good-looking Porsche. It's got, it's got the bulbous rear wings, and you see those in the uh, very nicely integrated side mirrors. Everything about this car has been, apart from the option wheel choice, of course, I'm sure discs, just disc wheels would, would work much better for the aero, but everything else has been optimised for aero, including this large spoiler over the rear window, and it extends down the side of the rear window as well. The rear lights, that Porsche signature that goes all the way across, they are recessed in. It's like an old custom trick. Remember the Frenching when people used to uh, drop the... Uh, drop the lights or the aerial or even the handles into a recess it's flush fitting uh, door handles that pop out just as the 992 does when you unlock the car this one's got the option blue Porsche script on the back and Taycan Turbo S is in gloss black a touch of the tailgate button uh, reveals a pretty decent size of boot now this has got a very very sharp angle to the back it's as much a coupe estate car or a coupe wagon as it is anything else so you are losing a little bit of height there but it goes back a long way uh, nick damon's had a good look at this car to see if it's got the carrying space for his tv kit and what he was really impressed was that the f- the back seats fold absolutely flat so you've got a huge long carry space there i've got a couple of carry-on bags a couple of haversacks and some other equipment in here and there's room for more i think a trip to continental europe um it's it's very easily would take the wine compliment on the way back there's a little storage compartment here under the floor uh, a bit of a lip Uh, and a bit of a high lip at that to get things into but a nice wide opening powered tailgate also lifts up the rear partial shelf as well when you do that if I come down the side to the back door both the front and the back doors are pillarless glass beautiful piece of design and the rear doors could do with opening a tiny bit more um, but it's not the most difficult car to get in and out of there's tie down straps uh, just ahead of the uh, rear seats again if you were carrying uh, equipment or something and you had the back seats folded flat you would be able to use the cargo net there nice big armrest in the middle couple of cup holders as well of course there Uh, this is the four seat version there is a four plus one which has a more bench seat. This one has got storage, extra storage in between the two back seats. Does mean you can't lie across it and have a snooze in the middle of a 24-hour race. <laughs> the, of course, that's important to us. Um, getting in is interesting to the front of the car. It's a very steeply raked front windscreen, um, and the B pillar is actually quite a long way forward. Now, this has got the comfort entry seat, so it slides back, but even in that position, with the steering wheel as far away as possible, there's not a huge gap to be able to get through and sit yourself down. Now, I admit that I am not the most spry of people, um, but uh, I, I think there could be a little bit more of, of attention to that. If the seat went all the way back, 
you would think that would help, but actually all it does is push the seat further back behind the B pillar. So, okay, let's close the door. That's a nice satisfying thud. And as I settle in, the steering wheel comes down and starts to put itself into the position for my driving. The seat, which I've set, and again, this is the uh, multi-way seats. Uh, I know enough about Porsches to know that these absolutely are the right seats to have. So let's settle in and we'll turn the radio off um, so that you can hear what I'm saying rather than the music. And that said, this has got the option Burmester uh, stereo in it, which is absolutely outstanding. Everything falls to hand as a Porsche should. It has the 992-911 style steering wheel with the spokes at 6, 3 and 9. The uh, button on the 6 one is the heated steering wheel. The uh, left and right, the 9 and 6 ones, have thumb wheels on them which uh, control a, a variety of functions but uh, essentially, it's identical to a Porsche 911-992. Three stalks. It's got uh, the cruise control, radar cruise control, automatic cruise control, lane assist, etc. Uh, indicators and automatic headlights. And, of course, on the other side, on the right-hand side, the wipers. The centre console is all touch. There is literally not a single tactile button. In fact, the only button that there is other than on the steering wheel, in the whole car, is the transmission selector, which is a flick switch, like most of the new Porsches are getting now, uh, up for reverse, middle for neutral, down for drive. Oh, and a button for park. That does leave plenty of space on the centre console, which is taken up by a secondary black touch screen, as well as above that, the 12-inch normal centre screen, this one has the passenger screen as well, which allows the passenger to effectively be an active part of the driving experience. Core driver that can be planning a route, they can be looking something up on Google or whatever. And in front of the driver is a single curved dash, again with uh, touch buttons on the outside for some of the controls like uh, lights. These are uh, additional controls for the lights or duplicate controls for the lights, but also uh, for some other of the functions. Uh, it has a drive mode. So you've got an individual, you've got a, a normal, you've got a gravel setting. Uh, there is a sport setting as well, which I haven't dared to go on. I'm told this car has a launch control, which will get you to 60 miles an hour from a standstill in just over two seconds. It is an all-wheel drive car with two uh, motor packs uh, on on each of the axles. Uh, I haven't felt the need to try that out. If Porsche tell me that that is the case, I'm quite happy to believe them. Uh, there's also an interesting one which is called range. And that limits the car to a maximum of 85 miles an hour, although you can actually turn it down even further than that. It goes to a Eco Plus version of the air conditioning and it also puts the car all the way down on its active suspension, but it doesn't stiffen the suspension. So you still get a nice, a very supple ride, but the car is 
optimized for aero and when you're on the highways over here you don't want it to be on the full sports uh, chassis mode that is just a little bit uh, just a little bit unnerving uh, on these 22 inch rims with you know elastic band sidewalls of course they are now that said the addition of twin wishbone front suspension is genius gt3 has it uh, one or two other cars uh, of a similar type i.e battery cars have uh, that as well it really smooths out the ride we'll talk about a little bit more about that when we get on the road but generally speaking this is a a, a mid gray interior um, it has the most incredible photovoltaic uh, moonroof really it doesn't open i've got it in the matte position now but this button here will allow me to change that to clear to partially clear or if i wiggle my finger up and down it goes backwards and forwards and i, I mean why you might say and it is an expensive option but it's porsche they've engineered something different i think it's uh, it's very cool generally speaking i think you'll probably leave it in matte when the sun's out or clear when it gets dark very good indeed automatic headlights um, if i had a little gripe i think the air conditioning system is a little bit difficult to get into and to tune the way you want it to however the voice recognition system on all porsches and this take on Cross Turismo Turbo S is no different. The voice recognition, very good indeed. You can enable it by saying, hey, Porsche. I have disabled that, so that doesn't happen whilst I'm doing the description here. And even with my accent, it uh, it does pick it up pretty quickly. And whether that's navigation, the digital radio, satellite radio, as it is here in the States, changing stations just saying bbc world service and it'll find it for you and most of the other commonly used features including the heating and air conditioning so you can turn air conditioning on and off you can switch it to different modes and you can even say set to 20 degrees and um, it will automatically go to 20 celsius um, if you set the celsius if you set the fahrenheit obviously and you say 74 then it will go to 74 and it repeats it back to you interestingly it is a different female voice a different accent on the female voice to my 992 uh, which is quite interesting because uh, both the responsible adult and i think like that sounds like a one of the cnn presenters i'm sure it isn't but it is quite unnerving until you sort of tune that out to uh, to think the car speaking to you in a journalist's voice um however lovely place to be back and front eve's tested out the back of course and she tells me that it's a very good place to be couldn't sleep across the seats like you can in the new cayenne in fact all the old cayennes still probably holds i think eve's uh, five-star racing rating for sleeping across the back or well, recently uh, a dodge durango got very very close indeed that's a whole other story. So, it's great from the outside, particularly in this Neptune blue. And it feels like a Porsche behind the steering wheel. Even as I look forward, you know, Porsche are so clever. They've got the race text, the Alcantara on the, uh, on the headlining and on the uh, pillars around the driver. And as I look forward, what do I see? I see Almost exactly the same view as you would see in a 911 992 with the raised up wings, the slightly uh, downplayed bonnet, uh, hood, 
and it's even got the uh, sport chrono clock right in the middle of the dashboard this has got one of the uh, options of the leather dashboard which does give you a little bit more of a luxurious feel rather than just the crinkle black that you would get uh, in the 911 if you didn't spec it up any other way uh, there's a lot of porsche uh, badging including the full enamel one on the steering wheel Taycan uh, on the center console and that comes up also on the uh, passenger touchscreen as well uh, three memory seats three uh, position memory seats or three memory setting seats i should say along with the multi-features i think these are the uh, the 18 the way seats in this car and they suit it very well have the hard back so it does have the sort of sporty single piece look to the back of the seats so from outside looks great from inside it's still a porsche However, every Porsche has to drive like a Porsche. So let's find out what this Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo Turbo S actually feels like when it's moving. Real World Road Tests on RadioLeMond.com. 55 miles an hour in the Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo Turbo S. Top of the range car, this, with the most performance on tap not feeling the need to explore that at the moment as we're cruising along what do you notice straight away the lack of noise uh, from this particular car Porsche have worked very hard including with their suppliers to ensure that everything is optimised it's very clever when you think about it because what you don't realise is in an internal combustion engine car, be that petrol or diesel, the sound of the engine masks some of the things that every car has, like road noise. You just heard there, we went from tarmac to concrete and back to tarmac again. Like if I run over the cat's eyes, you could hear that. Maybe in a petrol engine car, certainly a performance oriented petrol engine car, the engine noise and the exhaust note would probably hide that I'm sitting on the range setting which puts the car down to its lowest level on the suspension settings but it doesn't put the full sport mode on the suspension so yes it's low but it's still compliant and with the tiny amount of sidewall on these 22 inch beautiful 22 inch rims uh, that's actually a, a pretty good ride. No, better than that. It's an extraordinary ride. And with all of the running that we have done in the last couple of weeks, I've been very impressed at how balanced but comfortable this car has been. Now, look, it's a battery car, so it carries its weight very, very low. The centre of gravity really pushes this car into the ground and Porsche tell me that not only is the centre of gravity the lowest of any of their models but also its drag coefficient CD is very low as well at just 0.22 I remember when Audi were making a big fuss of the old Audi 100 and it was 0.29 so all of those numbers the centre of gravity and the coefficient of drag 
are better than a 911. So it makes it a, a very planted car on the road and plenty of rubber going down there as well with the big 22s and they're wide. That would normally make a car a bit fidgety. This car is far from that. It feels planted, it feels secure. It's a very pleasant driving experience and it's a Porsche driving experience. The steering, very nicely weighted. Now I'm just gonna do a bit of regen as we come up to these traffic lights. That's a mixture of friction brake and electrical brake. Uh, you can switch that on and off with a button on the steering wheel or you can set it to auto. The car also works in concert with your navigation system to use its power, its coast and its regen facilities in the most efficient ways. I'm having to learn a slightly new language with this car because we don't talk about miles per gallon there's no gallon but there are still miles and the what seems to be the uh, general consensus of the one that everybody uh, puts out there to use is miles per kilowatt hour two isn't very good uh, four and above is very good indeed and so for the 800 and nearly 900 miles actually that we've done in this Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo Turbo S having 2.7 as our total that's some short distance some highway miles we drove all the way up to Nashville for example uh, in a 70 mile an hour limit and the car cruises very lovely uh, very lovely and smoothly at that kind of speed that's pretty impressive the worst we've seen is about 2.2, doing short journeys uh, and stop-start. The best on the run back from Nashville, we came off the highway and took some very lovely mountain roads where the speed limits were 55 and 60. The car absolutely lapped up the winding, sinuous roads and it really was in its element there. And it was clearly very efficient at that kind of speed as well because we got uh, 3.6 miles to the kilowatt hour, which has kept our overall average uh, well up. It takes a little while to get used to the fact that you've got no engine noise to uh, gauge your speed, but the big central curved display has a speedo readout. This car has traffic sign recognition as well so I've got the speed limit on one of the dials and the speedo on the other it's uh, you can set the dashboard up the way you want and there's even a very minimalist version of it as well but I do actually like to see the information that I can nice nod to Porsche's past it is still a five dial dash even though they're virtual dials it's got the head-up display as well which I think is a brilliant innovation in all cars and to be honest I use that more than anything else you can get your uh, traffic sign recognition on there your speed where your cruise control is set and your navigation and any other warnings that you need as well the overwhelming experience behind the wheel of this Taycan Cross Turismo is one of effortless cruising it's absolutely a Porsche when you want to lean on it and the amount of grip that you get from these big tyres for such a big car is impressive. 
it is a heavy car because of the battery pack but Porsche and their brilliant chassis dynamics engineers have managed to make this car feel on the road and on the move a lot smaller and a lot lighter than it actually is I think if you took this car to a track day and gave it a good run in the Sport Plus mode you would surprise and possibly embarrass some very expensive sports cars including some perhaps with the Porsche badge on it's a confidence inspiring car to drive and to be a passenger in you feel very safe lots and lots of safety features built in to give it the full rating from all of the NCAP safety and other national and regional safety boards but the good news is that with a couple of taps on the menu you can customise that to how you want it and you don't have to do that every time you get in the car and start driving again so for example I've still got the lane assist flashy bits technical term on the wing mirrors but the car is not dragging the steering wheel out of my hand which I absolutely hate I've got collision avoidance on the brakes and on the parking sensors so if something does sneak up on the front or the rear or the, indeed cross traffic then the car will warn me of it if I get too close to the car in front it will warn me of it and if it gets really hairy it will apply the brakes the automatic cruise control is very good indeed and it makes use of the regenerative braking as well there's five different distances that you can set into it so overall this is a car that feels like a Porsche it's not too different in size and really in its purpose than a Panamera but it's not on the same chassis this is a purpose-built battery chassis and it works it works very well indeed and that in some ways is the problem because this car makes you want to get in it throw all your gear in the back and drive for 400 or 500 miles now you can but you're probably going to have to stop for 35 or 40 minutes a couple of times to add electricity to the battery the good news is that here in the USA a deal with Electrify America means that for the first three years you're not paying for your charging and the infrastructure here in the States is not bad actually here in Georgia and up to Tennessee most of the charges we've stopped at have a credit card reader on them some of them have not worked there's an issue here as there is in the UK and Europe with the charging network being there but not being well maintained uh, in the UK and Europe by the way the Taycan plug and charge as it's called facility is with Ionity and they are pretty well represented here we've been charging at charges up to 350 kilowatts um, the car can take up to has taken up to 250 which means that you can go from very little at all I think we the most we got down to or the least we got down to was about 13% so that was uh, a little over 20 miles and that was back up to just over 80% in under 30 minutes but it is 30 minutes now I recognise that I possibly don't drive 
the way everyone else does. But when I get into a car, I get into a car, if it's a long journey, I get in there, I want to be there. And I think nothing of sitting behind the wheel for three and a half or four hours until I'm starting to get a yellow light for my petrol or I'm getting close to where I want to go. That's not possible in this car. You're looking, starting to think about charging at 180 to 200 miles and therefore at highway speeds, that is three hours. Now, look, I understand you shouldn't be driving for much longer than that. But what you are doing at that point is adding another 40 minutes or so to your journey twice. And when things aren't going right and you have to deviate a long way off your route to find the charging infrastructure, then all of a sudden a five-hour journey back from Nashville turned into a a nine-and-a-half-hour journey because we had to sit and wait at charges for people who had just got there before us and we had to cruise around looking for charges that were working. Now look, that's not the car's fault. It's not Porsche's fault. They've built um, an entirely brilliant battery electric Porsche. But it is a concern. This car is expensive here in the States as it sits here with quite a lot of very nice options on. It's over $200,000. And the, the experience of charging doesn't match the premium experience of the car and again I come back to what is this car good at it's good at getting in and just eating the miles and for the infrastructure to let that ability down for Porsche has to be worrying because you're selling against potential range anxiety and you're selling against people who look at this car who may, maybe they have a 911 already. Maybe they have a Cayenne or a Macan. Maybe they have one of the other two doors. And this is a very good family car that you could load up and head off on your holidays if the infrastructure's there. All of the aids that the satellite navigation give you certainly help and certainly give you a little more confidence but turning up somewhere in the dark at 10 o'clock at night where the charging station's not lit and it's not covered and then you find that it won't accept the Taycan plug and charge. Great, I'll get my credit card out. No, the credit card reader isn't working. It's not great. It really isn't great. But again, that's not Porsche's fault and neither is it the car's fault. So... Is this a car that I could live with back in the UK on a day-to-day basis? Even after all of that, almost is the answer. Because for driving around and doing probably 85 to 90% of my driving, it would be fine. It would be absolutely fine. I go 28 miles round trip to the supermarket. I go up to Sunderland to watch the football, which is... 220 miles there, 220 miles back. All right, that would mean I'd have to find somewhere to charge either when I got there whilst I was at the football or I'd have to charge it up at a friend's house whilst I was up there, possibly on a standard plug, which would not give me a huge amount of charging in the time that I was up there. But it's doable. However, for the other 20, 25% of my driving, no, it isn't any good because if I was going to Le Mans in this car, it would add 
probably several hours to my journey if I was going to the Nürburgring out to any of the European tracks that I work at again it would require more planning which I don't mind but it also wouldn't be as convenient as a petrol or diesel engine car that has in petrol's case for 500 miles 500 miles the 992 has um, for a diesel sometimes six or 700 miles that's a lot of Europe you can cover without having to worry about refueling now that said has it made a difference to how we've looked at some of the longer journeys yes it has take out that anxiety about the infrastructure and it actually does make your journey perhaps a, a little less stressful in terms of how long you're behind the wheel that also keeps you off your phone and your internet and answering your emails whilst you're driving which obviously you, you don't do it does mean if you stop to charge up you've got a chance to catch up on the work day is that a good thing or a bad thing you be the judge I'll come back to this though this is a brilliant car the fact that it's powered by electrons and not liquid fuel that doesn't matter it's a brilliant car from Porsche it does everything that you would expect it to do with a plum and it's got loads a huge amount of everything in reserve we've not even begin to tickle the performance the outer edges not even the middle part of the performance envelope to be honest so I'm not going to criticise the car for the infrastructure issues but there's a ways to go there before these cars are going to be a common sight on the road if you're only using your electric car to do your shopping and go around the doors and short miles unless you're extremely well off it's highly unlikely that you're going to spend over a hundred and twenty hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollars uh, pounds rather or two hundred thousand dollars to do that now in in fairness the range of this car of, of the Taycan uh, and the Sport Turismo there's a cross uh, the, this is the Cross Turismo there's a Sport Turismo as well actually which is uh, the less sort of off-roady chunky car uh, there's one of those as well and they start at under £100,000 in the UK and you can spec up a decent one I've done it on the configurator they start uh, at uh, under 90 and round about £91,000, £92,000 uh, you can get a very nice spec indeed everything that you'd need they're only two wheel drive they have a bit more range with the similar battery pack, Audi's e-tron is already over 300 miles and heading towards 320, 330. That does change the game for me a little bit. That's my personal circumstances and how I would use the car. That would push me up to probably somewhere near 90% of my journeys would be covered. But I'd still need an internal combustion engine to go and do the long trips through Europe if I wasn't going to take a longer time to do it. Maybe you just stop a few times more and admire the scenery. All in all then, a brilliant concept, well-engineered and delivered in an absolutely Porsche way. The Taycan Cross Turismo Turbo S. Maybe it's just still a little bit ahead of its time. But for the future, you're going to see 
some, a lot of these cars in the years to come. And it still has the soul and the character of a Porsche. You can turn on the GT sound as well, but surely the point of having a nice, quiet, comfortable, wafty Porsche to do a lot of lovely miles is that you don't need that. And you certainly, I haven't had it switched on. If I want to hear a Porsche engine, I'd like it to be a flat six or one of their V8s for real, not a synthesised sound. So for right now, I'll take the silence, I'll take the comfort, and I'll live with the fact that I have to do my journeys with a couple of extra stops in it. Another real-world road test. Check out more at RadioLeMond.com. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.